When we shift from that mentality of comparing ourselves to others and instead focus on what do we actually desire, that's when we can start moving forward. And when you stop trying to play someone else's game and you start playing your game, it becomes much more fun because now you're going after something that you actually want, not the thing that you're supposed to want. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jake Kelfer, founder of Big Idea to Bestseller. Jake Kelfer is a lifestyle entrepreneur, life elevator, and coach to ambitious entrepreneurs and freedom seekers, helping them write and launch best-selling books. Jake helps ambitious entrepreneurs and small business owners turn their dream of writing a book into their reality. He helps them write and launch nonfiction books to grow their business, boost their credibility, and create massive impact. Jake is a three-time best-selling author, a high-energy motivational speaker, investor, and the founder of the Professional Basketball Combine, which has helped 70-plus NBA draft prospects turn their dreams of playing pro basketball into their reality. He and his work have been featured in Forbes, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and many other major media outlets. Listen in for some great takeaways from Jake's journey as an entrepreneur and how he's helping many others get their word out by being an author. Alrighty, Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of being with Jake Kelfer, the founder of Big Idea to Bestseller today, and I'm excited to jump in this conversation with you, Jake. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Larry? Happy to be here. Yeah. So listen, I know a bit about you, but I want to give a proper introduction of you to our audience, which they got a little bit of that in the intro. But can you tell us a little bit about your path to becoming the founder of Big Idea to Bestseller? How'd you get here? Dude, wild journey. It's been a while. You and every other entrepreneur, right? Absolutely. But I think that's the name of the game, right? I'm a big believer that you have to play the game of life and you have to play the game that you want to win. And so for me, the game that I wanted to win originally started out by wanting to be a sports agent. I'm a 5'8 Jewish kid from the suburbs. And when the dreams of playing in the NBA got cut short quite early, I said, I'm going to represent all the best NBA players. And so I go to college. I study sports management. I'm like, this is the dream. Before I graduate, I have the first pickle of my life. And the agency I'm going to work for, they basically say, hey, we can't bring you on. We can't hire you. And it was in that moment that I started to recognize that life isn't just going to go the way you want to. Things are going to happen out of your control and you're going to have to make these adjustments. And so I put together everything I had learned while I was in college and I ended up getting a job with the Los Angeles Lakers. So now I start my career working for Kobe, the Lakers and the partnerships division during his final NBA season. And I'm a basketball guy. That was the dream to play for Lakers. Now I'm starting as an employee of the Lakers. And while I'm there, I see Kobe have this unbelievable impact on me and the millions of other people around the world. And I say, I want to have an impact like that. And in my mind, though, at the time, I thought you had to go to school, get a good job, make a lot of money, and then you could give back and write books and share stories and speak. And I was like, I had this all backwards. 
When you have a message, when you have a calling, you can do that right now and you just have to go for it. And so I ended up writing my first book at 23. Kobe retires, I retire, I launch it and I become an Amazon bestseller writing a career development book at 23 years old. I go on to start speaking and traveling all over the world as a motivational speaker, talking about my book. I ended up writing a second book and I was like, you know what? I want to keep doing more and more in basketball. And my whole reason I wanted to be an agent in the first place was because I wanted to help these players turn their dream of playing pro ball into their reality. And so I said, how do I do this from a basketball standpoint? And I decided, you know what? I don't want to be an assistant. I got a book. I'm speaking all over. I don't want to go back to the mailroom in the beginning. So I started to build a major event. And that event ended up helping 70 guys sign their first contract in NBA, G League, and overseas talent. So from there, ended up going on, writing my third bestseller, been coaching people, helping people write books. And now the mission has stayed the same. We're always helping people turn their dreams into their reality so that they can become the hero of their own story. But the way we do that now is primarily by helping people write nonfiction books so that they can build their authority, create an impact, and make more money. That's amazing stuff. So you're telling me if you're 5'8 and Jewish, you can't play in the NBA? Is that what it is? I'm saying the probability is highly... Is hey, highly- listen, you're talking to a six foot two Jewish guy who can't sink a basketball for his life and decided to play hockey. So I get it. But I have had the opportunity to play for the Israeli national team on a few occasions as a guest player That's doing awesome. some fundraisers. I, so I got to ask you, because I wasn't aware of that part, but... Did you play in the uh, Maccabi games at any point? No, I, I didn't. No, I had friends that played, but never played in it. I was fortunate. I was pretty good, but it just, I chose to pursue my education at USC over pursuing a division two basketball experience. And I think yeah. looking, at, looking back in hindsight, which is always easier, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I listen, I do as well. And we just went through this whole tribulation or trial with my oldest son. He just finished up his first year of college and we were faced with the, the option of looking to go down the junior hockey route and potentially going to a D3 school, maybe somewhere down the line or starting his collegiate studies and playing at a club division one club level. And he chose to start school and play at the division one club level because he understood that Hockey wasn't going to go much further than the collegiate level, and he wanted to make sure he had his education because that would take him to the next level more quickly. Yeah, that's my whole life. It was sports, family, and academics. And I'm very blessed to have parents that, as much as they supported the athletic dreams, they also very much supported the educational side of things. And so education was a big priority for me, both in the traditional sense of education, as well as the education that you have by creating life experiences, by Absolutely. investing in yourself and those types of things. Because the name of the game, like I said at the very beginning, the name of the game is you got to win the game that you want to play. And I think that sometimes in life we get caught up playing someone else's game. We try to do what will make other people happy rather than ourselves. And I've just been blessed to have great people in my life that have encouraged me to go pursue something bigger and to keep going and to keep learning and to keep evolving. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point in terms of how you said, I thought I had to go through high school to college, then get a job, work my way up, etc. That construct that's been created for us in some ways is just crazy because not everybody is suited to go that path. There are plenty of other ways to to make it, as you're alluding to, and are, we've seen happen before. Oh, absolutely. And now, let me tell you a quick little story here. So my parents are best friends with one of their best friends to this day. I'm 29 years old, so they've been friends for well over 35 years now. And they had kids, we all had kids, they had kids around the same time. And growing up, we would always hang out with each other. It was me and this guy. And I, we both have siblings, but it was me and my buddy. 
And my buddy was great at soccer. I was great at basketball. He was into tech. I wasn't into tech. He was not good at school. I was really good at school. By the time we get to high school, people are starting to count him out. He's barely graduating. He goes to community colleges. People are starting to expect the world of me. I got 4.4 GPA, star basketball player going on to USC. People are expecting the world of me. As of that moment, people have written him off and they expect the world, right? The pressure on my side, the lack of expectation on his side. He goes to community college and he's trying to build businesses. He's learning. He's doing different things. I go to college. I'm trying to build businesses. I'm learning. I'm doing different things. Okay. He drops out of community college to go build more and more businesses. Fast forward a couple years later, he sells his company for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Fast forward for me, I've got three bestsellers, helped 70 of you guys do it. And I've done a lot of great things. The question is, are we both successful? The answer to that is Yes. But the bigger question you have to ask yourself is who gets to define what success looks like to you? And it's amazing that we live in a world with so much opportunity and there are ways to achieve your own definition of success as long as you are clear on what that is and you are willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And so I love talking about this because it's so important in our society to say it's not the same as it was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, even 20 years ago. Social media is just getting started, right? If you look at the evolution of history, social media is a very small role, but yet our world has changed, right? Think about the ways to make money has evolved. The ways we can communicate has evolved. So what once worked can always be updated with humanity. And that's the beauty of humanity. So I love that story to extrapolate on that concept of playing your own game. Yeah, I think that's a great story, great representation of you can't judge the book by its cover, so to speak. And I think it makes a great point, and this is beyond the scope of this conversation today, is we need to update the education system. That needs a tremendous update because they're not really on the same path as like you and your buddy were in terms of how things really work when you get past that natural construct situation. We have to be catering to those people that are book people and those people that are big thinkers and visionaries and put them in the right spot. One of the things that I know about you is I believe you landed your first job with the Lakers from a networking. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that's a lost art to some degree, talking about social media age and every texting and doing things that way. I think there's a lost art there that I think a lot of people can learn from. Yeah. Let me just preface this story by telling you I'm a hustler. All right. Nothing's going to get in my way from achieving the thing that I desire. Okay. And so this happens and I alluded to it in the story. I planned on working for the sports agency. It was a done deal. I'd been interning there. I was like, it's a done deal. They tell me second semester of college. Hey, can't hire you. I'm not graduating USC hundreds of thousand dollars in student loan debt to not have a job. So I start reaching out and I was involved in the sports business association. And I had invited people strategically from the Lakers to, to come the Clippers to come the different agents to come and speak to our members and things like that. Cause we were so local at USC. And so I call up one of the guys. I'm like, Hey, would love to, would love to get to know more about your division, your role. And this isn't to search for a job. This is purely to communicate and further enhance the relationship as I'm about to embark in the world. So I have a conversation with him. It's going great. I'm like, awesome. So then what I do is I'm like, all right, what am I going to do here? I got to find a job. I got to find it quick and I'm not going to settle. So I make a list of every single NBA team that exists and every single team in sports and the MLB or NFL that I would be interested in working with. Basketball is a priority. So I start there. Then I marked the teams in order of location and where I wanted to be. Lakers top of the list. We have a Lakers room in my parents' home. Painted purple and gold. <laughs> it's the real deal. Right. So I reach out to Lakers. And then I go by division. 
and corporate partnerships. This was the division he was in. I look at the people that are also in that division and I find out that there's one woman, she's in there and she is a, I believe her role is a coordinator at the time. And I found out that she was also a USC grad. So I reach out to her to try to network and really start making some things happen. And on that call, I didn't ask about jobs. I didn't ask about anything. She goes, I don't know if you already have a job lined up, but we're actually going to be opening up assistant positions for the upcoming season. And if you're interested, I think you could be a good fit. And we'd want, I'd want to interview you. I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yes. you're freaking the signs, right? <laughs> so now what happens is I'm like, okay, I got this. So I ask her, I say, okay, look, what's it going to take to me to land this job? Is there anything that I need to know? Any skills that I need to improve? And she goes, learn this and this, make sure you can talk about this. I was like, done. So I spend the time doing that. I get the interview. Now, here's what's crazy. I get the interview. The season doesn't start till August, September, October for the basketball, the NBA season. Now I'm interviewing right around graduation. So I turned down all these other offers that I've been getting from ticket sales jobs to business development jobs to tech sales jobs. Like I turned everything down. So I'm like, that's not what my dream is. And I'm going for my dream. I end up moving back home after graduation pursuing this internship assistant position with the Lakers. I take it. I become a first year assistant. I get the job. And that's how I start my professional career working for the team. And when you talk about networking, it is all about that. Everything you want is one person away. Everything you desire is one conversation away, one question away, one person to say, hey, someone help me. I'm going to help you. And we all have the power in whatever role we have, whether we're the mentee or the mentor to make a difference in somebody's life. And that is just magical. Yeah, I listen, I can't agree with you more. As you were telling that story about how you found that job, I started thinking about how I entered this industry. And basically, I had a, a couple of interviews on my college campus by financial firms. And I basically got three offers. One of them, I got the offer. And the thing that was most appealing to me was I was going to have all of my licenses that I needed within the first 60 days of me joining the firm. So I said, hey, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get my licenses, get the accreditations I need. And worst case, if it doesn't work out here, at least I know I got my licenses and I could go anywhere. And I've used networking throughout my entire career. And I think the important thing that you shared with our listeners that I think and I impart upon people all the time is you can't go into that networking call with an expectation that you are going in with an ask, right? You want to learn. You want to get better. That's really the intention of the call. If you get a job offer, if you get an opportunity to speak with them about something else, then that's just really a strategic byproduct of it. But it's really just leveraging that, getting familiar with them, and maybe getting linked in with somebody else who might be helpful. Because once you make that ask, then you're looked at as a taker. And that really doesn't bode well in the networking circles, typically. Yeah, I talk a lot about this in my second book, Elevate Your Network. And I break down different strategies and techniques that you can use. And I'm not necessarily against the strategic ask, but I am about add value first and The more value you put in, the better results you're going to get. And so the biggest theme, though, when it comes to networking here that we see is, and this is across any walk of life, and I'll explain what I'm about to say in a second, is if you don't have conversations, you will not have conversions. It's that simple. Like the input you put to having conversations will create the output of conversions. Now, these conversions can be with customers. These conversions can be in terms of friendships relationships. It can be in terms of making a deal happen that you didn't know was going to happen. It can be in terms of connecting with family members that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. The more conversations you have, the more opportunity to create conversions in your life across the gamut of the spectrum. And the most important thing that I would impart on somebody is this. If you are trying to network and you have an objective in your mind, that is okay. 
But how you portray that objective will determine if it's going to come to fruition and how quickly it's going to come to fruition. So be more interested than interesting. Focus on asking good questions, right? We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use it. If we focus on other people more than we focus on ourselves, there's plenty to go around and we'll all be taken care of. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. How did the job at the Lakers make you realize that you were good at people? That's something that you talk about. And how did that come about? What what was that click for you? So I've always naturally been good with people. But here, there was a moment I had with Jerry West. Okay. I'm in the elevator and I'm going down to the courtside seats because I have a contestant who's going to do the half court shot for 95 grand or something. This was already, I was already so excited. So I get into this elevator and it's just me and the elevator attendant. And all of a sudden, Jerry West walks in the elevator. Now, for those of you that don't know, Jerry West is the NBA logo, Hall of Fame guy, absolute legend. Okay. So Jerry West walks in. My heart starts to pound, right? I'm a bottom of the totem pole employee. This guy's an absolute hero, right? Like he's the NBA logo and I'm a Lakers guy. So he's in there. And the person who's working the elevator looks at Jerry and says, excuse me, sir. He has no idea who Jerry is. He no. says, excuse me, sir. Do you have a, a credential? And Jerry looks at him. Do you know who I am? He says it very politely, but do you Are know you who looking I am? at my face? <laughs> do you know who I am? And the person goes, no, I don't. But if you don't have a credential, I need to ask you to step off because this young gentleman pointing at me now, he's got work to do and I need to escort him down. And I'm like, no way did he just tell Jerry West to get off the elevator. And Jerry goes, no, I don't have a credential. And so he asked Jerry West to step off the elevator. And for some reason, Larry, in that moment in time, I gather all the courage. My armpits are sweating. And I go, wait, wait. He's with me. He's my guest. I'll escort him. Like, like, I know who he is. I can do this. And the elevator attendant kind of looks at me and is, are you sure? Because he's like, why haven't you said hi? Or, or said anything? <laughs> and, and so I look at Jerry and I wait for his nod of approval. He gives me the nod of approval. I turn back and I tell the elevator, say, yeah, he's with me. The next 14 seconds, most glorious elevator ride I've ever had. <laughs> so we get out of the elevator and I'm like panicking. Is Jerry West going to be pissed the guy didn't know who he is? Is he going to be frustrated that I stood up for him and he has no idea who I am? Maybe he didn't want to receive the help. And as we're about to go our separate ways, he sticks out his hand, he shakes my hand, he says, thank you. I appreciate what you just did for me. And that was a moment that put me in a different headspace because I recognized it didn't matter how old you are, how rich you are, how what ethnicity you are, what religion you are, what your beliefs are. What matters is that we are all people. And we all want to feel loved. We all want to be seen and we all want to be heard. And in that moment, Jerry West made me feel like the most important person in the world. And I said, if that one interaction, me sticking up for him and saying, hey, you can come down the elevator with me, could create that type of emotional response. Then what could we do in this world if we did something nice for somebody every single day? And I said, I'm going to make it my mission to make sure I leave everybody better than I found them. I'm going to elevate them to achieve something greater, whether that's, hey, you got great sandals. Hey, those ear, those microphones are looking good, right? Those earphones, whatever it is, you have the power to change somebody's life. And we sometimes forget that. And so I'd always encourage you to think about, and this is the mindset that shifted over me, is that one action can change somebody's life for the rest of their life. And it can create a chain reaction that goes on and on. And that was the moment where I really was like, yep, this is how it's going to be. And this is going to be something that sticks with me forever. There you go. And that poor elevator attendant was just doing his job, right? He wanted to make sure everybody remains safe. So if he doesn't know, he doesn't know. How's he, you know, if he's not a basketball guy and he's an employee, he's, you can't be upset with him because he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, really. Yeah. And look, on one side, 
I'm like, this guy's great. He's doing his job to the fullest of ability. But on the other hand, if you work at Staples Center, you need to know who Jerry West is. Period. I don't know if that's part of the training and he just didn't know or whatever, but the guy did his job really well. And I thank him for that because we were all safe because of that. But also you got to know who Jerry West is if you work for the Lakers. Yeah, agreed. You do a lot of public speaking. So where did that come from? Where did your knack for that? Or was that something you brought to yourself over time, learned, honed and worked on that skill? Or was that something you always were naturally comfortable with? I love public speaking, Larry. Like I'm one of those people. I was in fourth grade. Okay. I'm in fourth grade and we have Toastmasters speeches. And this this is where every kid gets up and they give a three to five minute speech. And I was doing a speech on Jackie Robinson. And I'll never forget this. The teachers who wants to go first and everyone's, no, not me, not me, right? They're panicking, like palms sweating. Everyone's nervous. I'm like, let's go. I want to go first. I want to set the expectation. And I know that once I do it, I'm done. Then I don't have to wait another 30 minutes just thinking about what if I make a mistake, right? I'm a little disappointed, though, that you didn't have a Laker. I don't know. What happened there? Maybe they assigned it to you? No, I picked Jackie Robinson because I was a big baseball guy too growing up. Okay. So I wear this Jackie Robinson uniform and I come in and literally my time starts and I run from the back of the room and I slide on the carpet in the class. I get up and I go, see, <laughs> like this was me in fourth grade and I have a killer speech. I always like talking. And I thought, and this goes back to how I assumed the world worked. I thought though, in order to give speeches, I always knew I was going to quote unquote make it, but I thought to give speeches, I had to have achieved a ton. I thought that I had to have made a lot of money and then I would just give back as a speaker, right? That's what I thought speaking was, is you gave back as a speaker. Fast forward to, I write my first book and someone goes, Hey, what are you going to do now with this book? I was like, I don't know. Just keep helping people out. And they go, did you know you could be a speaker? I was like, no, you only do that later in your career. Once you've achieved something, they go, Jake, first of all, you have achieved something. You have a best-selling book. I go, you're right. And secondly, they said, you can get paid to speak. And I said, get out of town. So the minute I recognized that that was a legitimate job, I turned on the jets. I made lists of hundreds and hundreds of people. I started reaching out to everybody. And literally, I got some gigs right away. And I thought I was the greatest cold emailer of all time. Then that went dry. And I started to build a network. And I've been able to speak all over the United States. I've been invited to China on a speaking tour. And so I've loved speaking, but it wasn't until I had my first book and the book allowed me the credibility to start speaking all over the world on various different topics. That's great stuff. Yeah. It's listen, it's something, if you have something to say and people have an interest, then, you know, you have an opportunity there for sure, especially in today's day and age. Now, I'm a big NHL guy. I'm more of a hockey guy than an NBA or MLB guy, but that's just the way my family and I have been built over the years. So I have to ask, what is an NBA draft coach? Because that was what your role was. What does that mean for our listeners? So one of the things that that I always want to do, and for the listeners, a sports agent is somebody who represents a NBA athlete on their contracts. Basically, in a way, looks out for that player, right? The goal is that the sports agent looks out for the player. And so what I wanted to do as a sports agent, I wanted to help these guys change their life by signing a contract and to achieve their dream of playing pro ball. But I had to figure out a different way. And so what I decided to do was I created an event called the Professional Basketball Combine. And this was a secondary draft combine. And a draft combine is where players across the nation, across the world come together and they compete in a series of events. So it's a sprint. It's a vertical jump. It's whatever it is, right? And then they scrimmage. 
And the whole point of it is to separate the men from the boys, right? The elite from the average and increase your chance at a draft stock. And so the NBA has one and they do an unbelievable job, but there was more opportunity to play professional basketball, but no one else was hosting a major combine. So I, I took it on myself to create this event and we would have 24 guys come and they would come to our event. We'd have the NBA teams come. We'd have all the top media come and they would compete in the same events that the NBA top tier prospects would do. And what we found out was this gave the guys more exposure. We were able to compare stats and we were able to help, like I said, 70 guys sign their first deal. So we had a first round draft pick. We had Langelo Ball come and gave him the opportunity. We had the whole Ball in the Family TV show film us. We had all types of amazing stories. We had D2 guys get signed into the G League. We had a guy that was 5'5 get signed to an NBA summer league deal. Like we had all these amazing stories, but my role was really... I facilitated the event. We put it together, surrounded myself with great people and helped people achieve their dream of playing professional basketball through our event. That's amazing. So you really helped them get to that point of playing professional somewhere, giving them the exposure and the opportunity, which is something we've talked about a lot is getting that opportunity for you and I. And now you're giving it that opportunity to other ball players, which is which is great. And I'm sure they were very thankful for the opportunity as well. Yeah, they're pretty appreciative. It's just so cool when you know that you're able to play a small part in someone's dreams, right? Whatever that looks like, whether it's the NBA, whether it's someone's financial planning, whether it's somebody's weight loss journey, whether it's someone who wants to write a book, which is what we do now. Like when you get to play a small role in their journey, that's what life is all about, is that creates such a joy within ourselves to know that, you know what? We matter, you matter. We're better because of it. Yeah, awesome stuff. So where did your idea for the big idea to bestseller come from? Was that just because of your success or is there a bigger story behind it, if you will? A lot of it comes from some of my success, but more of it comes from paying attention to what people need. And after having three bestselling books by 28, people started asking me, of course, how are you doing all this? People started asking me after the first one, after the second one, and then after the third one, everybody was trying to get their hands on, what is your technique? Because not only was I able to write a book and do it very quickly, but I was able to leverage that book into massive business opportunities, networking opportunities, media appearances, and things like that. Big idea to bestseller is what came out of the need to help people who have always had the dream of writing a book, but didn't know how to do it, didn't think they had enough to say, didn't think they had the time. And we put it together. And now we help people literally go from big idea all the way to bestseller. And it's just been an amazing experience. And at the end of the day, this is the mission, dreams into reality. And instead of MBA people, now it's entrepreneurs, executives, and experts who turn their dream of writing a book into the reality so that they can win their own game of life. Now, do you guys just help them up to the bestseller piece or do you help them with the leveraging piece that you mentioned afterwards, how you took the book, your book bestseller, and then leveraged it into opportunities, whether it be networking or business or or other bigger things? Because obviously the book's a great accomplishment, but the reality is you really want to get some return on that investment, so to speak, also. So do you help them with that part as well? We do it all. Our main program is designed to get you your book. Right, Because if you don't have a book and we start focusing on all these other things, then the book doesn't get done. And writing a book is a challenging enough thing to do. There's a reason not everybody has a book. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort. But we help you get a book done in four to six months. 
So now at the end of that four to six months, now you have the book, you have the momentum, you have a great launch. And then we have programs that show you how to leverage that, whether it's to get PR, whether it's to get podcasts, whether it's to create the audio book, whether it's to use it to give away. So one of my favorite strategies that we have our clients do is we say, hey, look, book sales are going to be awesome, but that's not where you're going to make the big chunk of change. Write your book, buy a bunch of author copies, which are copies that you can buy at cost. And then give them to a hundred of your favorite prospects or a hundred people that you want to connect with or a hundred podcast hosts that you want to get in touch with that you can't get past the gatekeeper on. And that just produces over and over again. And the ROI, when you break down the numbers, you can produce just an incredible return on your investment and on your time, which is, you know, exactly what we're trying to maximize time and money. Yeah, it's the deepest dive business card you could give somebody probably, right? Look, what do you do with a business card? What do you do? Maybe I scan it, save it, and throw it away. Yeah, and then if you scan it and save it, when's the next time you look at it? Six months, never. Yeah, but also you have no insight into who that person is. You just see the business card. Exactly. Book, I feel, is much different. You read it, even if you read half of it, you have a lot of good information about who that person is and what they're about, I would imagine. Well, and it's not even that. That's amazing. If someone reads your book, that's incredible. (laughs) But when you give somebody a book, where does it go? It goes on their desk. Okay. And it sits there. Okay. Even if they don't read it, but it sits there every single day. They're seeing your name. They're seeing the title of your book. The next time they need a motivational speaker on your topic. Oh, wow. How are you doing? We got this guy right here. Let me dig into his book because guess what? People would naturally wait till the last minute to make decisions to do things, especially in our society with the workforce. So if you have, a, if your book's next to somebody who potentially hire you and they get in a bind and your book's right there, you have what's called recency. Recency bias allows you to be the one that they're like, oh, I keep seeing them everywhere. I keep thinking about him, right? He's the first person I see when I sit at my desk to do my emails. We got to look into this guy to hire, or maybe we need to buy it for our leadership team. Whatever it is, a book creates opportunities that you can't even begin to imagine until you have the book. Yeah, that's not going to happen with a business card. I can assure you there for sure. So one of the things you talk about is recommending people find joy in the process. And Midland Money Mindset, we talk about joy all the time. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes for you. Why and how do you recommend that they find the joy in the process? Are there some keys to that success? I love it. I love it. I'll break it down. I call this the ACE method. Okay. Now, the ACE method is broken down into three parts. You have A, C, and E. A stands for intentional and positive action. Okay. Action. If you don't take action... You're never going to achieve the life you've always wanted to. And it's very hard to find joy if you're playing somebody else's game. If you're wishing that something would change, but you're not willing to do anything. There's a quote that says, if nothing changes, nothing happens, right? If nothing happens, nothing changes. The C, connection. Okay. If you do not have connection in your life, you will be missing out on some of the greatest joy in your life. Happiness studies will show you that connection is one of the biggest indicators to long-term happiness. Our relationships allow us to have great success. Our relationships allow us to have joy. Our relationships allow us to achieve most of our dreams, whether it's an epic experience, it's a love relationship, it's a familiar relationship, it's a best friend relationship, it's a work relationship, whatever it is, connection is what brings us long-term joy and new epic experiences, which we know produces happiness. And then the third part is enjoyment. This is the E. You have to find enjoyment in the pursuit of greatness or you will miss out on life's opportunities. When you combine all this together, you have the ACE method, and this is how you find joy. You take action, surround yourself with great people to connect with, and you do something every day to enjoy the journey. And specifically, some of the things that have had the biggest impact on my joy 
is practicing daily gratitude, which I used to roll my eyes to daily gratitude. Larry, let me tell you, I rolled my eyes. I was like, I don't need to do that. I need to be go. No, I need to be grateful. I need to be appreciative. Okay. The next thing that I did was I needed to focus on being present. How can I get back into the present moment, even in the pursuit of go mentality? And those things have really helped me stay grounded and have execution on the daily while also having maximum vision for the future, ultimately creating myself to enjoy the process of creating all of the amazing things that I've been able to create and plan to create in the future. Yeah, I listen, I do. I have a gratitude journal. I write down a few things every morning that I'm grateful for. And it really came out of the uh, the pandemic because through that whole uh, situation and even to today, I'm very grateful for a lot of the things that I have and that uh, my family has as a result of so being able to plow through that. So one of the other things that you talk about is elevating others, which I think is tied into joy. And like you said, the ACE method, which is connection, which I think elevating others is really connected to that connection piece. Why is it so important to elevate others? And I agree with you a thousand percent before you even answer, because I'm of the abundance mindset. I feel like if we're all helping each other, we're all raising the tide, then all the boats get raised as a result. I'm assuming you have a similar philosophy, but I'm interested to hear what you feel about that. We can all win, period. We can all win. There's plenty of money. A mentor of mine was talking to me the other day and he sent me a message and he goes, there's more money being created every single year. There's more money being created every single day. Every time you don't go after that, every time you fail to recognize that there's more being created, you're missing out on opportunities. And it's really interesting because when we look at life, a big reason why we slow down, why we don't start, why we stay in the same place is because of our ability to compare ourselves to others. And comparison is what stops us from taking action. It's what holds us back from pursuing our dreams because we compare to where someone's at. Now, the problem with comparison is this. Most people are comparing to a place that they don't even know what they're comparing to. Most people are comparing to someone else's chapter eight when they're on chapter one. And by doing that, you have immediately put yourself at a disadvantage Because naturally that stems into spiraling thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. I don't think I'm ever going to get there. So why do I even bother? So comparison stops us. When we shift from that mentality of comparing ourselves to others and instead focus on what do we actually desire and being confident enough to say to the world what we desire, that's when we can start moving forward. And when you stop trying to play someone else's game and you start playing your game, it becomes much more fun because now you're going after something that you actually want, not the thing that you're supposed to want. And this is revolutionary. And it seems so simple. This is hard. But if you boil it down and anyone that's listening to this is ask yourself this, what is your definition of success? If the world was to end, how would you define yourself as a success? For some people, being successful is making enough money to quit their job at 35 and go live in a tiny van for the next 30 years and travel the world. For some people, success is having a loving family and kids with a roof over their head and if they have enough. For some people, it's becoming a billion dollar CEO and changing the world that way. There's no right or wrong way to create joy in your life. The only way though that you can guarantee this is by taking action having great connection, and enjoying yourself in the pursuit of whatever you define as success. 
our saying here, and we talk about like our slogan, if you will, is find your freedom. Because that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Person A is going to think about that very differently than person B. It's a very personal goal and decision on their part. And then the other thing I would say is, have you read yet, and if not, you should, Simon Sinek's Infinite Game? I have not read it through. Yeah, you should. It's a fantastic book. talks about playing the game, and there's not winners or losers. It's a matter of managing things for the foreseeable future, as if you're going to be around for the next 100 years. And it changes. Like you said, it's a very simple mindset shift. But once you do that, it's earth-shattering. It really is. I had a friend, Larry, He one of my really good friends in high school. He passed away my first week of college. He had a battle with cancer. He beat cancer, but passed away from liver failure. He's one of my heroes. He's, he's why my books are neon green and why my initial branding was neon green because that was his favorite color. And sometimes in life, we're moving at the speed of light, right? And we get so caught up in what's going on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes when I can, and I wear this bracelet, and you can see that the audience can't see, but I wear a bracelet that's neon green and it says Stroud Strong after my buddy. And sometimes I, I see this bracelet and I think about this and I'm like, anything that I'm doing, sending those extra 10 emails, making sure that I clean my apartment, even though I don't want to do that or whatever it is, I get to do all that. He doesn't have that chance. And sometimes we forget because we get caught up in the day today that it's hard to go back to that place. But we've all had an experience or a person in our life where we wish we could add a little bit more time with them. We wish we could have done something differently with them. We wish they could be here with us today. We can all relate on that level in our lives. And I would just challenge everybody to sometimes say, you know what? I'm alive. That's as big of a W as I need today. Sure, my bank account might be lower than I want it to be. My job might not be paying me as much as I want it to do. Things might not be. I'm a little bit heavier than I want to be at this point. But guess what? You're alive. And if you're alive, you have the ability to choose. And if you have the ability to choose, you can create something that is meant to be created for the life you want. And I just, this is so important because Talk about find your freedom, Larry, which I love that line. We talk about a lot of things today. You are the author of your own story. Pick up the damn pen and start right. There you go. I think that's great advice. So, Jake, we end every show by asking each of our guests the same question because, like you, we're all about joy here. So what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? This is good. This is good. Today, and I changed up my routine a little bit today, so it's great that you're asking me on this, is I had an absolutely wonderful conversation with my girlfriend. And that brought me so much joy. And we both sent text messages right after because we were both really feeling the love and it was really powerful. So that brought me joy. And then just knowing, Larry, that that I got a chance to come on a podcast and talk. Like I told you, I love talking. And if this conversation, knowing that this conversation has a chance to kick someone's butt in the gear or to help somebody inspire their kids to go pursue their own dreams or whatever it is, that got me ready to go. And I'm blessed to be here, man. And I found my joy and I'm ready to rock. Awesome. I'm glad we were able to give that to you. Now, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes, Jake, but if people want to find you, connect with you, learn more about the big idea to bestseller, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? The best way, hands down right now, is to go on Instagram at Jake Kelfer. That's where I spend a lot of my time on social media. I'm always loving connecting in the DMs, chopping it up. We have on my Instagram, we have a bunch of free resources. If you want to write a book, if you want to get my own books, Whatever you want to do, let's make it happen. Let's have a conversation at Jake Kelfer on social media and Instagram. 
Awesome. Listen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's been a great conversation. I think there's a lot of great takeaways that people should be acting on today after they turn off our show and get to work. So thank you for that and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Jake Kelfer for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Jake's passion comes through in everything he does. His desire to elevate himself and those around him are extraordinary. He is a true subscriber to the old saying that high tides raise all ships. Writing a book is a big undertaking and Jake has formulated a process that will help the masses become best-selling authors. Jake and Big Idea to Bestseller can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.